I think I'll check that out. Yeah. I think we'll check you out. And with that, I say hey. welcome to Geeks with Kids, <laughs> your bi-weekly geeky podcast from a parenting point of view. I am one of your hosts, Eric. And joining me this week is the man behind the curtain, Mr. Moore. Hi, Matt. Hello. How, How you, are you doing, doing sir? Yeah, oh, I'm fantastic. Yeah. I'm a little tired. I had a little bit of too much gravy last night, but yeah. you know. That's yeah, how it goes. There is no such thing as too much gravy. And speaking of gravy, our own little key master of our own, Mr. Shouse. How's it going? Hey. I don't know hey. how gravy and uh, key master came together, but it, <laughs> it, it, it was the next on my list. And I just so, so who's, who's the gatekeeper then? The gatekeeper, I guess, would be Hawk over there. And one, hey. He's more <laughs> of like the person that keeps us on the, the straight and narrow. He's our navigator. Yeah. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Good That's a segue right there. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm seeing the theme now. I dig it. Uh, you, you do. You, you you saw it there, right? Yeah. And then uh, obviously, in in the in the nice little dark corner is our our, our, our the last the last Jedi over there, Steve. <laughs> oh, <laughs> very nice. We're, we're like less than a minute. You got Steve going already? Come on. Uh, well, he didn't tell me his wow. movie. I couldn't figure anything out, so I put the one thing that comes, pops in my head when I think of Steve. <laughs> uh, I'll take partial blame for that, Steve. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hi, Steve. I hate you all. <laughs> <laughs> and, and joining us this week, this week we have a rookie in our <laughs> flight crew of nerdiness, and that is Bowman. How's it going, Mr. Bowman? Going good. Going good. You know, long-time listener, first-time caller. Yeah, good well, be here. <laughs> yeah. being a long-time listener, first-time uh, joiner, why don't you give us your cred, your geek cred? Let us know why you're here. Why do we have you on this podcast? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, it's, um, it's because we no. played board games and you were funny. That's all. I just, well, I just clicked go. on a I pop-up so. ad and suddenly I was on a podcast. <laughs> you know I don't know what happened. <laughs> you know what? It's uh, geek with kids. I guess I'm, I, I, I have kids, so that's a bonus. Right. And, uh, you know what? I would say I'm, I would say I'm a, a fan of, of movies and TV shows and, and pop culture, all that stuff. So I think I'm kind of a geek. That's I'm, that's geeky. Say, yeah. A geek is a person who enjoys something more than they should, I think. Um, oh, definitely, yes, than movies. <laughs> yes. I know <laughs> random trivia for some reason. Yeah, Patrick, oh, I like them already. <laughs> Patrick Rothfuss, who is the author of The Kingkiller Chronicles, which is a book series I love. Uh, actually, Bowman, you should read these books because people are comparing it in level of art- artistry to The Lord of the Rings. Like, you know, it's hard to put it there, but people are like, if you want something modern that has that feel, check out the King Killer Chronicles. Definitely will. So he actually said that a geek is a person who loves something beyond rational sense. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, that sounds like something uh, that we all love. I think, I think I fit the bill then. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. these things that we love get, get forgotten in time. They, like, the, like they're just films that we loved as a kids. And then we're like, you know what? I forgot about that movie. So this week we're going to talk about the, the films that time forgot. And I think to start us off is the man behind the curtain. No, no, no. We're going to save you later because <laughs> you're going to be a big discussion. Let's go over to Shouse because... We just talked about that. I'm sorry. I started <laughs> drinking the wine and it, I'm all warm now. Mm. Um, and it's <laughs> nice. Shouse, why don't you hit us up with your first movie? Not first okay. movie. Your only movie. My only movie. My only, only movie. movie. You told me I could only do one. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Go, going through my, my uh, uh, probably too large DVD collection... Uh, and and just just trying to decide which one I wanted to pick um, got me thinking about uh, a movie that came out in uh, the late '80s. I believe it was '89. Um, the movie is called "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids," starring Rick Moranis, <laughs> and it's a movie about uh, it's a Disney movie, and it's a movie about a, a scientist that uh, is trying to build a shrink ray and doesn't believe that he's uh, He's having much success, and uh, when he's out of the house, there's an accident that happens, and and his kids and the neighbor's kids get shrunk down to, uh, I believe, a quarter of an inch, <laughs> and uh, there's some uh, some adventures, some hilarity that uh, ensues, and they uh, basically have to try to survive this predicament and get back to their uh, their father, who can hopefully get them back to their regular size. And I loved this movie when I was a kid. And I watched it again recently, and it holds up. I I I really enjoyed 
uh, enjoyed watching this one. Nice. Have you, have, you, have you guys seen this one? Yes. Yeah, yeah many moons ago. ago. I'm pretty sure every kid from the 80s saw this <laughs> movie. This movie was everywhere. Yes. I remember I remember going to Disneyland or, or whichever the Florida one is. Disney, Disney World? World? Yeah. Disney World. Disney World. In the fall of 1989. And they had oh, so wow. much Honey, I Shrunk the Kids stuff there. And it was wonderful. They had the big ant. And they, yeah, had this whole, wow. they had this whole display about how they made that sequence of them flying. And oh, I yeah, still yeah. remember seeing mm-hmm. that in the theater, right? Like, you're just like, oh, my God, they're on an ant. And now, yeah. the like, oh, man, it was so cool. And it was such a, an interesting idea. Like, it was the, the, this premise of what if you were tiny, like so tiny, and then you had to experience like the world around you, like your your yard or, or you know, the kitchen or whatever, like as, as a very tiny, tiny person. Mm-hmm. And it just got you imagining. And, and I think what Eric yeah. was alluding to, too, I mean, I think the special effects were just at the time where they could really make that like uh, work and realized on the big screen. So, yeah, it's the perfect timing for that film. Was this a Disney movie? Yeah. Yes, sir. Hmm. I remember like this is this. They hadn't done many live action films prior to this. Right. It had been a while because mm-hmm. they were all sort of dark. We'll, we'll talk about dark Disney live action films in a further episode <laughs> but yeah, like yeah, this is sort of the the foray back in the live action from what i can recall mm-hmm. it, it boomed after this with like billions of sequels for this yeah well they did honey i blew up the kid and they did honey we shrunk ourselves and i think it's sort of like the matrix trilogy i don't remember the the second and third <laughs> one i remember the second one because of the big baby that was walking through the the neighbors yeah. good one. no nap <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah does, does, any, does anyone else have any fond memories about this film you know what I actually saw this movie not with my kid my, I haven't watched it with my kid yet but I watched this movie on my own time because that's what I do um, a few years ago and like like Shao said like it, it does hold up and it actually I got emotional watching it when they had to uh, spoiler alert say goodbye to the ant I don't know. It was it was gut wrenching because yeah. you you really start to have a relationship with this with this ant. Mm-hmm. It's just it's it's so funny. I don't know. I just I I, I wonder I if uh, when they were writing out Ant Man and they had that yeah. whole scene where they where Ant yeah. the Ant goes away, they're like, you know what? We should totally steal this from Honey I Shrunk the Kids. I oh, I was sure. gonna say that. I'm like I remember. When you, as soon as you start talking about the movie, I'm like, oh my god, they totally stole bits from Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was it was this sense of wonder. Like that film was so it's such a good sci-fi trope to introduce yeah. the kids. And it's not it's not like given to us in a very super sci-fi way. Like it's a fun it's just a fun movie. And, and there were some creepy parts too. Like I remember as a kid thinking, you know, he he almost ate his kids because there was that scene where his kids were in the floating in the milk in uh, in the yeah. Cheerio, like holding onto the Cheerio like a life preserver. And and he, he you know he was about to eat his kids and I was like you know that was kind of a little you know not not really traumatizing but it was definitely uh, a little spooky as a as a young kid to watch that <laughs> yeah but totally. I, I was I was reading a little bit about uh, you know because when you when you look up, up a movie at this point you have to look up some of the facts about it right so I was reading a little bit about uh, about this movie on Wikipedia and and I was uh, actually surprised to find out that Rick Moranis was not the first choice. For this mm. movie, oh really? Um, they had actually written it originally for Ch- uh, Chevy Chase. Um, <laughs> that would have been weird. That would have that been totally weird. Completely different movie. Yeah. I yeah. can kind of predict how that went in that, uh, as far as what I've heard of Chevy Chase on set on some films. <laughs> yeah. Him and children. Mm, I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why there aren't the same kids for vacation movies. <laughs> well, he wasn't even the only one. Like, and, and I mean, this is all Wikipedia, so you know. You know, somebody could have written this, but it, you know, it could have been true. Um, it, it says that Chevy Chase was originally the the person they had in mind for this, and then when when he was unable to do it, they they had considered John Candy. To, oh, that would have been wonderful. Mm, that would have been cool. Right, and then it was actually John Candy that recommended uh, Rick Moranis uh, because uh, they were friends through uh, SCTV. Mm-hmm. And, and so I thought that was pretty neat. And and another another little tidbit: um, one of the the moms. Uh, Christine Sutherland actually was on uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She yep. she played Joyce. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, so I was like, hey, that's Buffy's mom. Cool. <laughs> Have you watched this since having kids uh, shows? Yeah, yeah, I just watched it recently. Does it play differently now that you're a parent? 
Oh, good question. Like looking at it from the parenting part, like side, because as kids, we, it was the all the wonderment. But as a parent, you're like, oh, crap, my kids are gone. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. The, and you could you could see some of the panic in the in the parents faces when they weren't sure where their kids went or, you know, when when uh, Rick Moranis was when he realized that his kids were shrunk and that he was like searching through the backyard on stilts. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like mm. you, you could as a parent, you could realize, you know, some of the anxiety that you probably felt. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Any other final thoughts with the with the cast here, honey? No, I, I, no? Watch, watch the movie. Like that's that's going to be the theme no. of this episode today. Is like uh, mm. we're hoping that yeah. people listen and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, I love that movie. I want to go. I'm going to go watch it with my own kids. I yeah. low key had a crush on the on the sister in that movie. <laughs> yeah, like my eight year old me was like, hmm, what is this feeling? <laughs> I'm starting. <laughs> yeah. And my film was also from '89, so it was like a year of discovery for me. <laughs> <laughs> See, I had a very similar reaction, but mine was to Carrie Russell in the second movie. Oh, oh. You, right. you blossomed a little later than me. That's cool. Well, I, it was a <laughs> Disney movie. I had to, you know, pick my spots. That's fair. Well, speaking of Disney, let's move on to another Disney film. Let's move over to Hawk. Let us know what your film is about. Well, I chose Flight of the Navigator, which I realized I, I had Disney's Flight of the Navigator, uh, which I realized I hadn't seen in probably 32 years. And that, so I rented mm. it this weekend and that just to uh, give it a, a go over. And that holds up beautifully, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the story revolves around a young boy named David Freeman, who's 12 years old in 1978. Uh, his, his parents send him out to pick up his little brother through the woods and that, uh, that part. As you do. <laughs> yeah. That, that's what they do in all these Disney movies. <laughs> right. Through the woods. <laughs> he fall, upon finding his brother he uh loses track of him and he falls down a ravine uh he seems to lose consciousness for maybe half a second in that and then gets back up walks up the ravine to his house to find that there's a, another couple living there uh it beca- you know uh the story progresses a little bit you find out that david has been missing for eight years uh while at the same time a mysterious uh, spacecraft has crashed into some electrical poles and uh Obviously, there's some sort of correlation there. Uh, turns out that the ship uh, had a, had taken David uh, to a, a planet in an uncharted region for study, uh, brought him back, but could not make the leap back to his time uh, because humans apparently were too fragile to make the jump back through the space-time continuum. Uh, so the movie revolves around a young boy in that with uh, who finds himself at the helm of his own spaceship. And who doesn't want that? Right? Mm-hmm. This movie was so overplayed at my house by me. <laughs> <laughs> this movie and my love for um, The Last Starfighter. Yeah. It was yeah. like these that two VHSs were over and over and over and over mm-hmm. and over. And I just, I thought the spaceship was so cool when it's, when it changed shape. And you yeah, know, I don't remember ever seeing a spaceship that shiny until that film i read an article about that because i was kind of taken by the the ship design and that because it was really nice and like the you know that um it the production for that was done by the director's brother uh the film was directed by randall kleiser uh who um eric you'll probably know his most famous movie was greece oh (laughs) <laughs> he was, I am, i'm hit or miss for grace to be honest oh, okay anyways he also directed the blue lagoon mm-hmm. hey. <laughs> <laughs> another little, awakening there <laughs> and a little later on down the line he directed honey i blew up the kid what oh look at that there connection. Go. Look, at that. <laughs> look at this i i did it i did it guys i connected two things without meaning it <laughs> but uh, every single one of your movies world. has to connect to these two in some way come on guys <laughs> Anyways, his brother, Jeff Kleiser, handled the production design. Uh, Jeff Kleiser apparently started some digital media uh, company in 1978 uh, for film and television uh, and ended up writing the program that that they used to do uh, reflexive mass mapping, uh, which Mm. is how the ship had that had that shiny appearance that could reflect its environment. Mm. Oh, it was so cool looking. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It really was a wonder. Did anyone else love this movie as much as me? As a child? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, very much so. Go tell us. Do it. Do um, it. You know, again, it was very much a uh, overplayed at my house uh, to the point where I could, I can't now, but at the time I could probably recite the movie verbatim. <laughs> if, I, if I were to watch it again within 30 seconds, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember all the dialogue to this movie. Um, yeah. 
that and the one thing I that little alien slug mm-hmm. thing. Yes, I wanted one of those. They were it was adorable. I wanted it. It was so cute. Uh, they, they, the rest they missed their um you know the the big bucks with by not creating like a little toy version of that. I would have bought. Well, one. it was the eighties, dude. They could they didn't have the technology to create one that wouldn't you know get eaten by the kids that they were trying to market it oh, to. Oh god, yeah, something that small. <laughs> I would have eaten. I would have yeah. bought another now, one. <laughs> the rest of the alien menagerie terrified me. That thing adorable. The eyeball. It wasn't the- even the eyeball. It was the thing that tried to eat his hat. Yeah. Yeah. So was it like a zoo on the on the on the ship? Well, yeah. They, they, a... Yeah. They were all the species that the uh, the ship had collected from other worlds, and that that it, you know the ship was collecting species from different worlds, and that and inputting its star charts into their brain. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I was a little taken aback by uh, uh, Shouse there. He actually remembered you leak. <laughs> because yes. <laughs> they put all the star maps in David's head, and apparently human brains leak. Oh man! <laughs> the, um, I, I, I thought that that part wasn't. Weren't they going to go underwater? And they did. To, the yeah, to get away. From, yeah, to get away from the satellite tracking. And he was making fun of how the humans. Yeah. You know, went pee. Do you? Yeah. Is this going to leak? He had to pee, and he had to. And the, and the robot didn't understand why. Yeah. Oh, so good. Oh. They, had, and, they had that whole like not Ed TV, but that 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 type of voice for the for the navigator Max Max Headroom. TV Max Headroom. Yeah. 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 Uh, does anybody remember who the navigator was, or not the it, navigator, but the voice? I can't Paul remember. Rubens? It was Paul Rubin. He, yeah, he went, yeah, I'm not surprised. Uh, he uh, he credited himself as Paul Mall in the film, but it, yeah. that's who it was. Okay, yeah, that's why he did the Pee Wee Herman impression so well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nailed makes it. sense. But it, it's it's the weird thing about the film is how tonally different it is from the first half into the second half after he mm-hmm. maps David's brain and that and takes on a human personality. Mm. Yeah, explain. Yeah. I don't remember as much. Well, well it was a, it, the totally the first half was very dark in that, you know, the, it was about a missing child and that and mm-hmm. he comes home and finds that like he, his, you know, his family's aged eight years and that his little brother is now 16 and uh, taller than him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and then, he, and then once NASA makes a connection between David and the ship and that he's taken by Howard Hessman as a uh, Dr. Faraday and that to the facility mm-hmm. and that and learns that he's going to be there for an undetermined period of time. Uh, and, and like with the ship's voice and that, uh, before it uh, actually, oh, yeah, brain, yeah, mm-hmm. it's very kind of very dark and very kind of you know cold and robotic and that before it kind mm-hmm. of takes on the Pee Wee Herman element. It's sort of like the door robot in Return of the Jedi going into Jabba's palace, yeah, that's yeah. what it was, yeah, of. yeah, because mm-hmm. I had to bring it back to Star Wars because we're going to go over to Steve soon. <laughs> um, <laughs> Actually, the, the cool thing about this movie is I just picked it up on DVD a couple of weeks ago for like four bucks on Amazon. Like it was one mm-hmm. not on. Blu-ray. It's not it's not on Blu-ray. I didn't buy the Blu-ray because the DVD was like four bucks, and I was like buying something else, and it was like, all right, I'm gonna low grab fidelity. It. So this <laughs> movie, that's how, you gotta watch <laughs> how sharp was, could that movie possibly be? I mean, the transfer. Mm-hmm. It could. Yeah. Be. yeah. Um. So this movie was actually um. They've been trying to remake this film for years, and it's still in development hell. I would huh, love to really? see a new version of this, but who knows how they would make it? Would it be I, as dark as the old one? Yeah, I don't know I, if it would work so well with an update, just because like it's it worked at that point in time because they had all these this groundbreaking tech that no one had seen that they put in the movie, and it was mind blowing. Now it's like, oh, it's a cool CGI ship, like every other CGI ship we've seen. Yeah. Yeah. everywhere like it wouldn't it, it wouldn't, wouldn't have that sense anymore. of wonder yeah yeah it would it would, it would it would have to lie with the navigator like the actual robot the ship yeah, yeah the yeah. ship itself like the personality but like what would be the pop culture that they would reference now like there was so there exactly. wasn't as much as we have now like we have everything we have youtube we have all these other mm-hmm. yeah exactly do those couple things like pepsi jokes yeah. Well, and that's the thing too. Is like it, it, it. I don't know if it would work contemporary because I mean, half of why it works is because like, oh, it's a ship that no one's seen. With YouTube culture now, if there was a ship that crashed, there'd be five thousand live streams of it the whole time. They couldn't do the whole. That might you know, be interesting, the, though. Like the, the kid might came back, let's the Roswell kid. type thing. Maybe, but yeah. then it, yeah. it kind of loses its its effect at that point in time. Fair enough. So from one space crew to another, that works. Let's talk about uh, Bowman's movie, which I love as a kid. All right. So um, this movie, I actually completely forgot existed until about a week ago when I had to look for a movie. Um, I watched this movie probably like three or four times a year um, when I was growing up. Um, It is 1986's Space Camp. (laughs) 
Yes. Starring Miss Spielberg herself, Kate Capshaw. Um, so basically, <laughs> this, <laughs> this movie, it focuses on five kids that are enrolled in a summer space camp at NASA. And they uh, get the experience of being on a spaceship, being on the shuttle Atlantis as NASA prepares a engine test. Why NASA allowed a group of children <laughs> on a spaceship? It'll be fine. Things don't matter. It's the eighties. Uh, no. That's nineteen eighty-six. That's why. You know kids what? wandering in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what? let's not have these kids watch from you know from the command center. Let's just let's just put them on the thing. Anyways, so these uh, these five kids, they are going through space camp, and the the youngest kid actually befriends a robot named Jinx. That robot was amazing. As you do in the eighties, right? He's like a he's like a like a lower budget Johnny Five. I like Johnny Five a little bit better, <laughs> but than Jinx. I, I think I think Jinx was more of a pre BB eight than anything. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say I would agree with that. A pre BB eight. Wait, pre B pre B eight. Pre B eight. Pre B eight. I'm forgetting what Jinx looked like, so I'm looking him up right now. It was a circle with a little like, um, like a. C- cylinder at the top where it's oh, yeah, like, yeah i remember this spider arms spider yeah. arms and legs yeah okay so and it stars it stars an amazing cast like you have kelly preston leah mm. thompson mm. kate donovan and mm. a 12 year old joaquin phoenix and wow. he wasn't even wow. phoenix then he was he, he went by leaf phoenix mm. but it's him it's him <laughs> anyways cool. um, so yeah they end up getting the jinx befriends joaquin phoenix's character and and joaquin wants to really go out into space because he's a big fan of star wars and everything so he ends up the robot ends up switching over the controls and launching this rocket in, into space instead of just running the engine test so the rest of the movie is the five kids and their their teacher trying to safely get back home with 12 hours left of oxygen and it's it's adventure ensues <laughs> yeah it sounds like such a like 80s encapsulated series of events you know like yeah. <laughs> that's what happened every- <laughs> oh yeah i i this movie made me want to go to space camp so badly <laughs> remember that gyroscope scene where they're like strapped in and it's just spinning round and round and round I yeah. wanted to do that, and then I realized I hated roller coasters. <laughs> there, there's a lot of me thinking, "Oh man, I could be a, I could be an astronaut, but I hate heights." Yeah. Oh, I want to go on that thing, but I hate roller coasters. This, it, I, I should have realized I couldn't be an astronaut a lot earlier than I did. <laughs> Absolutely. Who was the and teacher um, the that teacher, went up with them? Kate Capshaw. Well, it was actually her. Yeah, it was actually her. <laughs> and um, so a little background on this movie. So this movie was uh, released five months after the NASA Challenger disaster. Oh, no. Oh. So like no one wanted to see this movie. Yeah. As soon as it came out, the critics were like, this movie should not be released. And they were just, they destroyed it. Not, it, it probably, it's no masterpiece, but I think it got a little bit more hate than it should have had because of the timing, of the timing. it was all filmed before that it was just it's un- unfortunate that all those those uh that, that that happened right but um i watched it recently with my with my kid and she absolutely loved it like she was into jinx the robot and she she loved how they went into outer space it's i don't know it's something that i'm happy i'm happy we're doing podcasts like this because you remember these movies and I'm so happy I got to, it was like a little time capsule going back and watching this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Have you guys, who, who, here has, who here has seen it? Who here I, has, has yeah. anyone not seen it? I actually I, haven't seen it. I don't remember it. If I did, if I did, I, I don't remember it either. It sounds yeah, delightful with me. Like I, I remember, I know I've probably seen it once. I remember the more you guys talk about them. Like I remember bits, but it's not like, there's no recall on it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's I not remember, like, yeah. Sorry, go yeah, on. Sorry, no, no, you first. You know, it's not like it has. It's it's definitely got its action parts. Um, mm-hmm. It's not as thrilling as say some of the other stuff out of the eighties, like Indiana Jones or anything like that. But there's some definite thrilling, heart pounding moments when they have to actually leave the shuttle in right. outer space 
to kind of retrieve these oxygen tanks and one of them gets stuck outside and they're oh, about to boy. so um it's actually it's 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 really really well done and they set up the characters pretty well in the first half of the movie so that you actually care about them and and hope mm-hmm. that they are, come home safe i remember the, talking about the, the music eh? Mm. yeah mm. yeah i think shows i think i was talking to you about this movie just a little bit while ago when we mentioned it to each other for some yeah. reason and i was saying that at this time like in the 80s like NASA was such a prevalent like idea in everyone, right? That whole idea of being in space and like discovering things was so prevalent in society. Yeah. No, no, not like now. Like NASA is hardly a thing. Like everything like dealing with space is privately run now. Like you have Elon Musk or whoever building rockets. <laughs> but like I- back then it was like nationally funded and like it used to be on TV and like it was a big event. I remember watching spacecrafts lift off on yeah. tv even yeah. up until university yeah. Yeah. like it was such a yeah. big thing and now it's like you know yeah well uh, i think um no oh, sorry go 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 i was gonna say it, it's like nasa in the last like you know couple decades and that has mostly just been focused on robotic exploration and that so there's no like kind of there's no more there's no more of those kind of I'm not going to say there aren't astronauts, but it's like astronauts used to be such heroes back in the day and that because mm-hmm. they were these people that were exploring the frontier and that. But since the switch to robotic research and that, that, you know, we don't have those kind of people to cheer behind. But they yeah. they also got defunded quite a lot, right? That's yes. why they had to switch their focus. Yes. I'm sure we would be still going out and trying to, you know. Yeah. Do shuttle missions like that. Well, but. and I, I think the Challenger tragedy kind of really put a damper on that because they, you know, when people are, like you said, we're always watching and they're watching the launches, then you watch something like that happen live on TV. It kind mm. of puts a damper on like how much they're going to have manned space travel because yikes. Yeah. And then like the Columbia in 2003 was also. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we I remember just seeing that keep- live. Yeah, like we, we got to keep, uh, keep NASA going because if if we don't keep NASA going, who's going to send Bruce Willis up when the asteroids come? Exactly, <laughs> the Chinese will, I think, at this rate. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Or Elon Billy Musk. Bob Thornton. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Bowman, you were saying something about a movie being made. Yeah, wasn't there a movie that was made after the uh, Challenger one too? Not the Challenger one. What's the other one? The Columbia one. Columbia. I believe mm-hmm. there was a movie about. Yeah one or the other i just can't remember at the moment there's one right, coming right. out soon about challenger is there the, the trailer is up yeah. on the uh itunes trailer oh i gotta check that yeah. huh i missed that the 80s is rich for stories <laughs> yeah it was oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was it, great. it's the, the, the charm of those uh, movies definitely i mean i think it was like i think with all the movies we've discussed so far and, and even one that you mentioned eric uh the last starfighter like there's just a certain like wonder of uh, you know, incorporating technology and just working it into like children's lives, and you know, yeah. just a great time for that type of storytelling. It was like the possibilities were endless. Exactly, and it, and it was such a happy, endless like possibility thing. Unlike now, where it's a lot more dour. Yeah, um, and it was and it was tied into like the emerging home electronics uh, yes you know, movement of the eighties. Yeah. So. Mm. Yes. So. I don't know how to segue over to Steve. <laughs> you know, well, let's go. The tower is a good segue. I think <laughs> I was going to say that, but I didn't want to. <laughs> it's it's just everyone's mad right now because we never got our hoverboards. It's yeah, no. I just yeah. want a hot fifteen. I do have the original, um, the his skateboard, like the one he used at the beginning of the movie. I have mm. that one as well, <laughs> which is very. I should my show brother, it to you, Steve. Next, my time. brother had that one too. Yeah, it's it's used very badly. So anyway, speaking of bad, bad, let's talk about Steve. I don't know. There you go. Oh, very good. oh man, I I'm tried. Sorry. Man. I'm sorry, I tried. Steve. I tried. Yeah, I know. I'll remember you. Um, so uh, I guess moving into something maybe a little bit darker and less wonder because it's from uh, 1993. You know, because after the 80s, it all went downhill, as we all know. And uh, <laughs> uh, on the tales of uh, a Terminator 2. Uh, there was another Schwarzenegger movie that uh, a lot of people have forgotten, and uh, and it didn't do well, and uh, it was Last Action Hero. And I think that this is one of those movies where um, it has a cult following now, but um, most people just kind of wrote it off. And uh, I think if you saw it now, you'd be able to appreciate it because of you know Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger's self-awareness and his comedic timing mm. uh, on full display. But as a as a movie, it's also really interesting because it's sort of like a kind of like a postmodern, almost like parody of, you know, 
action. Uh, and I think it was too early. I think uh, I think it needed to you know be a few years, you know, down the road when we were all sick of Schwarzenegger. But at the time, everybody really wanted another Terminator style movie, and this wasn't it. I saw that movie when it was on TMN. Like mm-hmm. not too long after it had been mm-hmm. released on home video, and mm-hmm. I really liked it. I thought it was funny. That's I I, great- I I I loved action films at the, no. I I still love action films, but I love that they played off it so many different yes. of those tropes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I didn't even know the word trope at that point, mm-hmm. but I knew that they they were making fun of how movies were like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so Last Action Hero uh, was directed by uh, John McTiernan, you know, of uh, Die Hard fame uh, and Predator fame. And uh, the screenplay actually had a uh, Shane Black, uh, you know, Predator alumni Mm. uh, work on it as well. And the film is just chock full of cameos and small roles of all Mm. kinds of famous people. Like, it's actually uh, was the last film for Art Carney. Um, It stars uh, Charles Dance. Yeah. Uh, F. Murray Abram was in it. Uh, Tom Noonan as a, a creepy guy, as he was. Oh my god! <laughs> Anthony Quinn was in it, um, and all kinds of like little little cameos. Like I said, like I think even Kellen has like one line in it, and it's yeah. it's amazing. So anyway, uh, <laughs> Tina Turner's in it for one line too. So it it just it was like just the perfect movie, but just the worst time, I guess. So the premise, if you don't know this film, it's about a. Uh, a kid uh, called uh, Danny Madigan, who's living in New York. Um, his um, his single mom, who's uh, you know doing everything she can, but he uh, he's not having a good time. Um, he lives sort of in a rough part of town, and the way he copes <clears throat> is uh, through living vicariously through movies. So he loves movies, um, and um, and he hates reality, and so he sneaks off all the time. And uh, not to get into any spoiler territory, but just to sort of explain the concept, his favorite uh, movie star is Arnold Schwarzenegger. And in this film, Arnold Schwarzenegger is an actual person. But one of the characters Schwarzenegger plays in the reality that the film exists in is this action series called uh, Jack Slater. And um, anyway, uh, one day he, he sneaks off. And uh, he's uh, friends with uh, the guy who runs the theater who lets him see a sneak peek of the latest Jack Slater movie. And he gives him a golden ticket that apparently Harry Houdini had given the projectionist when he was a young boy. Anyway, the ticket ends up being magical. And uh, Danny Obviously. is transported <laughs> into the movie uh, and uh, and actually gets to uh, share an adventure with his, well, with the Jack Slater version, uh, the hero that uh, that he loves, and uh, and then all the sort of the ramifications of that. But it's a very interesting movie because of the way it juxtaposes like the whole concept of, you know, uh, the real world and the fantasy world, and uh, and just I, I don't know. I, I just think it's a really brilliant movie, and I think it really opens up you know a person's uh, uh, you know especially if you're young and you just sort of take these things for granted, uh, you know how it all kind of fits together. Uh, do you know who did the theme song for that movie? Uh, Michael Kamen? The theme, the theme, like the rock theme song. No. It's ACDC. And oh, you know, do you nice. know how they got them to do it? No. Arnold Schwarzenegger called them up and was like, I want you to create an original song for this movie. And they're like, uh, okay. <laughs> so, do, do, do the voice, Eric. Do it in the voice. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. nope. <laughs> that I would like you to come up with a theme song for my movie. That was me, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Get the chopper. <laughs> did anyone else watch this movie? I I love. I I thought I it was did. Great. Yeah. No, I thought it was great. I, I have not seen it. Yeah, I don't think I've seen it either. I haven't seen it in years, but I I remember it, and it was I, I remember really liking it. Yeah. No, it's just brilliant because it's uh, it does such a good job of like what Eric was saying. It takes all the tropes and just turns them on their head, and and just it's just so um, it's a very tight film, and it's and there's a lot in it, um, and uh, they the, they pace the jokes and the action sequences because I mean it's it's actually a straight up action movie, but also a kind of smart smarter action uh, movie but anyway i did uh, i wasn't really sure about picking it as a as a kids movie but i do think that it has some some interesting ideas for kids uh, mm-hmm. because it, it is driven by this child who's coping 
um, with a hard time in his life and uh, and actually meeting his hero and then carrying a dialogue with this hero for the rest of the film. And, and it isn't all it isn't all pleasant, um, but uh, but there's a, there's a lot of great revelations and great relationships. Don't they do like a Hamlet like with Arnold in that movie. Yeah. They have, yeah. There's a trailer. There's a, yeah, there's a scene when he's <laughs> in class and he's forced to watch the Lawrence Olivier, uh, uh, Hamlet in his English class. And he starts daydreaming and he like replaces Lawrence Olivier with Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's one of the funniest. <laughs> <laughs> so I think my, yeah, I think my favorite, um, my favorite scene in that is it, it was in the trailer too, is when Arnold Schwarzenegger, Arnold Schwarzenegger goes, all right, I'll be back. You didn't think I was going to say that, did you? He's like, you always say that. That set the tone, and it's such a, it's such a funny movie. Like, yeah, it's a good right. movie. And Charles, Charles Dance is one of the most amazing villains ever. Like, because totally. at some point, like, he's just sort of the, the main goon for the film. But uh, he also becomes aware of things as a result of a real boy entering his world, and it and he takes advantage of it quite well. Um, mm-hmm. It's just incredible. They go into the real world at the end of it, don't yeah. they? For the final well, not act? at the end. It's I mean, this isn't really giving anything away. Halfway through the film, Jack Slater and Charles Dance's character actually cross over into the real world, and uh, that causes some complications. Obviously, obviously, <laughs> obviously, that's what happens yes. when magical tickets are involved. Entirely. And I'm doing the, and I'm gonna go do Charlie and Chocolate Fair Factory now. No, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> but but there there is some wonder in the film that I'm gonna go into from 1989, my awakening apparently year. Um, <laughs> that was a bad segue. I'm gonna think of this better. Oh, I like that. Yeah, keep it. No, I'll keep it. Okay, whatever. So the film I'm doing, Steve, you're gonna uh, uh, um, you're gonna appreciate this film, I think. Maybe I'll just tell I'll I'll talk about what it I'll, I'll tell you the story about it, and maybe you guys right. can figure out the mm-hmm. the um <laughs> the title. Don't tell them, Matt. <laughs> I don't remember what you told me. So, so basically, this this movie is a road trip movie about this young boy, his his older brother really and was. this Look girl that, that they met. Oh, the wizard. I know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That was really fast. That was my second movie. That was my second choice. That was, that was, <laughs> oh, I had choice. the power. Yeah. So, so the wizard is my movie and it was such a big movie for me. Um, came out in 1989, the year that Super Mario Brothers 3 came out. This was pretty much just a giant commercial for that. Yeah, movie. it was. <laughs> That, that and Universal, Universal Studios, Studios yeah. which made me want to go to Universal Studios, and yeah. I did go there because oh, of that. Glove, it's so bad. It's so <laughs> rad. Power glove. It, it it is so rad, and it was bad. Um, mm-hmm. but like that movie was probably my first road trip film that I can think of. Um, because not only are the kids going over to, um, San Francisco. San Diego, San Francisco, California, California. yeah, California. <laughs> oh man, I can't remember. Uh, wine, <laughs> um, but his um, his dad and older brother are trying to, you know, go after them, and then they have this shady dude that was uh, like a private investigator that's also hunting them. And so the the cast is amazing, as um, Fred Savage, obviously Christian Slater, Bo Bridges. And <laughs> Bo Bridges is awesome. Don't don't yeah. say that. A, no, no, I'm laughing because they're so good, right? Yeah. Like as the brother and the, as the dad, like they're fantastic. They're Their chemistry cast. is so perfectly funny. Cast. Yeah, oh, no, all great. three of them perfectly cast. And Jenny Lewis, who who doesn't love Jenny Lewis from that movie? Yes, well, I had a crush. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's also an amazing musician, so that adds extra mm-hmm. love. Um, but yeah, I remember seeing it and. It wasn't just a giant commercial for Nintendo, but for like Powerline as well. Remember when you had to call in and get tips? They had a whole oh, sequence yeah. about that Power, yeah. when, <clears throat> when they were in Vegas because um, Jenny Lewis's character, like she thought her dad was there and mm. stuff like that. Oh, man, it was such yeah. a good movie. I love that movie. And it was just a funny, funny movie. Yeah, I forgot about some of those subplots, but they do add a lot to the character development and what happens. Yeah. Hmm. Plus, you know, they didn't really talk about um jimmy who is the wizard but he sort of mm-hmm. was like this autistic kid that was yeah. really good at mm-hmm. video games and we didn't really see anything like that when it's true we were growing up right and mm-hmm. i didn't I even don't really think, think, they think mentioned it no they was, don't like, but autistic. he's he sort of had those uh traits as you watch yeah. the movie now yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's he's true. On, it is he's true. He's on the spectrum for sure. Yeah. Um, but there's there's a lot of things that you know I remember, and I still say like the California line that we all yeah. joked about. <laughs> now was, jog my memory. What was there, the name of the detective? I know there was the bounty hunter that was kind of hired to find them. Who was the actor that played that? Because in my head, it's Jeffrey Jones, and I don't think that's right. <laughs> oh, it was um, uh, Will Seltzer. Yeah, that's why I'm, yeah. I'm seeing here too. Put- I think Putnam. Putnam. I think Putnam. Putnam. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah. Will Seltzer. Okay, cool, cool. Hey, Toby Maguire is an uncredited goon. Yeah, so he's he's in the <laughs> he's in the scene with the power glove. I totally right? don't remember that. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of like random crap about this movie. Oh, it's such a fun movie. Did it? So, did you guys like this movie, or am I just thinking about this in rose-colored glasses? Oh no, I loved this movie when I was a kid. I considered it, but I didn't remember it well enough. So yeah, sure I, I remember it was a big deal, definitely. Um, you know, for it to to brought uh, video games to the mainstream to that degree, because I think video games had become part of the earlier '80s, uh, you know, kids' movie um, language. You know, like with Cloak and Dagger and The Last Starfighter, for instance. But The mm-hmm. Wizard, I mean, that was like those are real video games, right? And, and they that, showed mm-hmm. a video game that wasn't released yet, yeah. you know, which was crazy. It's yeah. amazing marketing. Oh yeah. Well, especially yeah, no. because we were coming off the tail of like it's Super Mario 2, which was so different from the first one. You're like, oh my gosh, they went back to the original Mario and now he can fly and he can turn into a raccoon and stuff. Mm. And they had those cool things like he, he got the whistle, like great, and he did all that. Yeah. We're yeah. like, what is he doing? How does he know about these special areas? Oh man. Wonderful. I also like how they explain how they how two kids had the money to go across country because they were hustling all these people yeah. playing video games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was great. <laughs> uh, See, I feel like I, I need to rewatch this movie because I think I've only seen it once and I think I was a kid when I saw it and I don't think I liked it when I saw it, but it could be just because of the, the, there were some yeah, scenes in the, in the film where, uh, in, you know, there, there was definitely some stress for these characters and, you know, they were, they were mm-hmm. trying to get away from people and there were, yeah, yeah. like, Oh, the only thing that I remember trip. fondly is the, the video game scene, like where they were in the big tournament. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the rest of it, I mean, yeah, like I, I wouldn't have seen this movie for like, it's probably been like 30 years since I've seen this movie. Yeah. Well, that was the thing I found that was really interesting about the movie too, is because like, I remember I was interested because of the whole Super Mario 3 thing. I was way more entertained by the whole, we're going to run through Universal and like the whole, they go through confrontation mm. and all that. I'm like, that's really cool. I didn't really care about the game. Like, because they show it to you in the trailer. So I'm like, okay, well, you're going to see some more of the game, but I'll just buy the video game because, you know, I'll, and by, mm. by, I mean, I'll get my parents to buy it for me because I was a kid <laughs> yeah. and I didn't have money. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was interesting because I remember that movie dealt with a lot of really heavy subjects that I don't think, kids yeah. or their parents were prepared for in that because no. they're kind of like well you know your kids are going to come see it because of the super mario brothers 3 we're going to throw in a whole bunch of like you know life lesson stuff that you weren't expecting up until that point which i thought yeah. was really cool no yeah. I, I agree i think i think you're right i think one of the reasons why it is one that one of the movies uh that's worth mentioning tonight is that it, it's it's smartly done like yeah it really was just a glorified ad you know, for Super Mario Brothers three, but they the people who wrote the movie took the story seriously. They yeah. took the characters seriously, and yeah, yeah, there's an actual story there. Yeah, because if you think about it, like Bo Bridges and Christian Slater, they didn't have a good relationship before going yeah. on a road trip. Yeah, yeah no. exactly. You have child abandonment because uh, Haley, who who's Jenny Lewis, her dad left mm-hmm. her, mm-hmm. like she was living in a trailer. Yeah, and then even like the relationship between uh, the wizard and uh, Fred. Uh, yeah, Fred Savage. Yeah, like that built throughout the film. Like, yeah, it, 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 was he kind of abusive towards the kid? Like, he was just using that kid initially, right? He was like, at first, I think. Yeah. But I think oh, he came. No, no, it wasn't. It no? felt like it, didn't it? No, because they were gonna put they were gonna put him in the home. Oh yeah, he, yeah. He that's why that happened. So he, he, and he, oh, he yeah, he kind of kidnapped his brother and took yeah. him and was trying to take him to go play these games to get away, and then realized he could play the video games. It was very similar to like Tommy, where he's like. Yeah. You know, the kid was kind of catatonic, but you put him in front of a console and he could play like a wizard. So they put him in there and made him this. You know, I'm sure they took that for the money. All, oh, all I guarantee movies. it was taken from Pinball Wizard. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's an interesting that's an interesting analogy. All these movies that everyone's mentioned tonight. I got to watch all these again. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. yeah. There's a there's there's a scene that really sticks out for me, at least um, development wise in the characters and how they they feel about. Um, or like their motivation in the film, and it was when the wizard goes to that dinosaur park, 
it has that little um the lunchbox with the oh yeah all, yeah, the, yeah all the trinkets from his twin sister that had passed away mm-hmm. like that it's it's nice little moments in that film that you don't expect right yeah absolutely yeah speaking of not expecting things let's go to matt with the, the last film <laughs> oh, on this. Should wow. do a segue with the title at least the, the wizard that was, uh, that's, a, that's a good setup. that was a no, real no. tidy segue this, this this one this one's more that was a darker one because this movie yeah. is dark it is <laughs> Going um, from one wizard to the remnants of another, I guess. Yeah. Oh, well, nightmare fuel. I do Absolutely. appreciate. Remind me later when we talk about the. Anyway, I'll I'll I'll, well, I'll remind we'll get myself. To it. You'll remember. Um. So we'll, we'll close that with me because I have the one that it wouldn't be me without picking something particularly dark, and I picked uh, Return to Oz. It came out in 1985. It was a Disney production. Crazy. Uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> It, it, this one actually was was what a lot of people referred to as the final nail in the coffin for the the darker live action Disney movies because uh, it had a budget of twenty eight million dollars and it earned one point one million in the wow. box office. Oh, yeah, um, it has since garnered a amazing cult following because you know the kids that saw it when they were kids grew up and rewatched it and went, oh my God, this movie's amazing. Yeah, yeah it wasn't a nightmare after all. It did happen. Yeah, yeah. it did happen. <laughs> and it's an amazing movie when you watch it as an adult. But the movie was not at all pitched for children or pitched for adults. It was pitched for children when it came out. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it is just that. It is nightmare fuel of the worst order. Yeah. Um, again, watching it now, it is very much kind of a, I don't even want to say like a dark reflection of of the original wizard of oz movie mm-hmm. but it definitely has a lot of darker undertones basically the a quick plot summary is it's a uh, several years after the original wizard of oz movie uh dorothy gale from kansas cannot she's having problems sleeping she keeps thinking about oz and dreaming about it so uh her aunt m who's played by uh piper laurie in this movie for those that are big fans <laughs> of twin peaks um very good thumbs up. i was gonna say i saw her i saw her in the credits on the yeah uh they decide they're gonna take her to uh dr warley who's played by nicole williamson uh you know, from excalibur fame for those of us seen that movie yeah um because nothing's more you know child friendly than merlin you know <laughs> um <laughs> but he plays uh, this uh, psychologist named dr warley who's basically dealing in a, a very unique form of uh, psychotherapy that involves uh, hooking patients up to a machine that basically uh, zaps the bad thoughts out of their head using primitive electroshock therapy. Wow. It sounds like a movie that'd be made now, you know? Like, exactly. Yeah. Sorry, go uh, on. And so the, she's supposed to go in for this therapy. She's supposed to stay over there. They're going to give her the electroshock therapy. It'll wipe all the bad dreams out of her head and leave only the good, happy dreams. Oh, my God. Uh, which is just in and of itself kind of terrifying. Uh, but the night that it was supposed to happen, when she's about to get hooked up to the machine, a storm knocks the power generator out. Uh, she escapes with the help of another patient that she's seen. Uh, there's a, a rainstorm and a flood, and she gets washed away to the land of Oz, which she's been dreaming of going back to, only the land of Oz is not the land that she remembers. And I'm going to leave it at that because there, anything else would be spoiler heavy. No, but we should I, say that she meets a bunch of new friends along the she way. Meets, she meets yeah. a bunch of new friends in search of her old friends, uh, yeah. including TikTok, the mechanical man, uh, and Jack Pumpkinhead, who ironically was both performed and voiced by Brian Henson. Yep. Oh. Yeah. And Gump. The and the and gump. the the Gump, <laughs> which is a couch moose. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a it's a stuffed moose head on a couch. <laughs> so I had a question for you, Matt, and uh, uh-huh. so uh, I remember seeing the film and and not liking it because uh, I was expecting more of the original. <laughs> and again, yes. like you said, it's almost like the mirror. <laughs> and what I'm curious about it now is: is the film based on the continuing adventures of the original books? It is. Yes. It's actually they took the material for the movie from two different books. They took it from the Marvelous Land of Oz. Mm-hmm. And Ozma of Oz. They actually combine aspects of both books into this story and characters and, and then, from both books. And then there's like spatterings of other books in there too. Like Jack they threw in, heads in there. and Yeah, they threw in other characters, which again, if you read those books, those books are particularly dark as well too. Mm. Like oh. the, the the Wizard of Oz is is probably like the lightest of all the, the Oz books that Baum right. ever wrote. Okay. Um, 
they get significantly darker after that and Disney decided to latch onto this as the, well, we're going to make sequels based off the books. It'll be fine, right? <laughs> wow. So yeah. it was writ- written and directed by Walter Murch. Yes. Yes, uh, it was. So for anybody who doesn't know him and that, he's uh, like a legendary film editor and sound designer and that he worked with Coppola on all his big films and that in the 70s. Yeah. You can see the 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 influence in this film because it's shot beautifully. Like, oh it, yeah, it's it, there are epic vistas and like all the production mm-hmm. design is just spot on. Oh, it's absolutely beautiful. And yeah, the production design is spot on, which is part of what makes the movie as especially <clears throat> when you're a child terrifying because it doesn't look fake. Everything in this looks very real. Even the claymation they use uh, when they go to the Gnome Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Is particularly terrifying because it looks so realistic. Like it doesn't look green screened at all. It looks very much like these things are there right beside them. So do you think? I this, wonder. Do you think people, uh, suffered from like an anti word of mouth? Like, do you think this is some people went and seen it and they were like, "Do not go and see this movie." <laughs> well, I think the kids. problem behind the problem behind it was again, it was it was promoted and like the trailers are all available online. You go to YouTube, type in "Return to Oz" trailer, and you watch the trailer. The trailer makes it look like it is along the same vein as Wizard of Oz. It's just, it's not, it's a non musical Oz movie because it skips over all the really creepy stuff behind it. So people would go see this movie, and myself included. I remember seeing this movie in theater with my parents who we went, it's not like, this is going to be great. It's a new Oz movie. And sure, it's not Judy Garland, but it's still going to be kind of neat. And and you go see the movie, and like out of the gate, it's creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's and in a hospital about to get. Yeah. And there. the hospital is yeah. scary as it is. And then yeah. it's in a thunderstorm. And then, like, TikTok, yeah. like, there's, sorry, the electroshock therapy uh, mm-hmm. machine looks scary, but also welcoming because it looks like TikTok. Yeah. Uh, they, that's one thing they do is when she, from her entire journey in the, in the hospital leading up to when she leaves for Oz. Um, it's very similar to what they did with Wizard of Oz, where it's like, you know, like the three farmhands become the scarecrow, the tin man, and the lion. Mm. All the stuff that she sees before the storm happens is incorporated into what happens. Like Jean uh, Marsh plays the head nurse at the hospital. And in Oz, she also plays Princess Mombi, who is, you know, a a witch who changes her head on a whim. Like literally could take her head off and replace uh, it with a different head. Yeah. Yeah, and also that, the, the wheelers as well. Uh, and the, yeah, and the, the wheelers, wheelers are basically the, the head, the head wheeler, which is they're basically these creatures that have wheels for hands and feet. So they move around on all fours, and they have garishly clothes and crazy evil masks on. Uh, the head wheeler was the orderly that wheels her into the electroshock room on this gurney, and the the gurney wheels sound is what they use for the wheelers oh, when they wow. move around. Yeah. So it does have those moments where it ties in, so you can see like, okay, that's where this influence comes in. When as an adult, I caught this. As a kid, you don't register it. You're like, okay, whatever. And then, you know, you see the stuff later, and you have that feeling of it needs without knowing why. As an adult, I'm like, oh, it's because this is where all the tie-ins came in during this really creepy sequence that they then use in the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Man, so, that so, sounds so every, everyone's just like stunned because they were, you know what? Their Come memories flooding right in. <laughs> I, I can ru- I can ruin this for anyone that's seen the movie right now by saying two words right now. No. Dorothy no. Gale. <laughs> oh. out, of all, out of all the movies mentioned tonight, this is the one I want to rewatch. Um, I, I, I watched this recently, just in the past couple of months, and it is so terrifying and yeah. awesome. Still. It, it holds up to this day. Like, you know, I it's 1985, and it to this day, it holds up. Just And again, because of such the phenomenal production value put behind it. And I mean, it was $28, $28 million in 1985 dollars. Yeah. So like you have to think of what that would be now. It's that would, it's comparable to something you'd see that you know Marvel would put out for the sheer for sure. dollars and cents. Yeah. And they didn't have CGI. It's all practical. I think we mentioned that Fruza Bulk is the uh, yeah yeah I was uh, going to say yeah I forgot to mention Fruza Bulk was the it was actually her her breakout role was this movie it it, it certainly was <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Was this your sexual awakening, uh, Matt? (laughs) No. No, no. Um, I think um, what was amazing about this movie is that from a production uh, uh, standpoint is they took, they, they took some aspects from the, from the old film, but a lot of it was based on the books. Like if you look at the Emerald city, it wasn't green, which was amazing to see. Yeah. 
if you read the books, um, the thing that the wizard did is he gave them green glasses so that they thought that the city was green and everything was mm-hmm. green. Um, also, yeah. they kept the they they kept the ruby slippers, which I thought was yeah, you know, whatever. Well, and as a, a fun bit of trivia, that actually one of the largest expenses the movie had was renting out the original ruby slippers from MGM Studios. Yeah, because they had to pay a very hefty royalty to use the exact shoes that were used because they wanted to have that consistency. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just uh, amazing to me that that. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Matt. Oh, I was gonna say, and and there's nothing more disturbing than seeing Nicole Williamson wearing a pair of ruby slippers that you know were worn by Judy Garland. Mm. Mm. This whole movie just sounds really grim to me. Like I just, I, I don't even understand the concept behind it because it's like, okay, we have this classic that's got name recognition, The Wizard Everybody of Oz. Everybody loves it. People. Nobody really yeah. knows the books or, or the direction that they're going to mm-hmm. go. And then they're like, let's do something totally different and against expectation. Yeah. Like that just, that cannot have been a good uh, executive decision. Well, it, it's funny because one of the, again, another fun bit of trivia is during the production of this movie, um, Disney had a major shift in management. Mm, okay. Because, of, you know, the higher ups were not a huge, were not huge fans of the path they'd been following up to this point. So they basically got rid of a lot of their higher ups who had greenlit a lot of projects like Return to Oz. Mm-hmm. And they brought in, you know, basically new upper management who then, during the middle of production, uh, the, you know, Walter Murch was fired. Oh, wow. Not because of what he was doing, just because they were like, we want to get someone that has a more experience of filmmaking in because he, like you said, he'd been a great designer, but right. he wasn't a director. Um, and that delayed production for about two weeks, I think was what I, what my notes say on that one before they finally brought him back. Cause no one else wanted to touch the project. Like they approached <laughs> some of the directors was and everyone was like, we're halfway through production. Like we can't come in and change anything. We're, you know, you know, 28 mil invested in this. Let's just let him finish his project. Was this during um, Michael Eisner's tenure as CEO? It was right before Eisner came in. Uh, I think I think Eisner came Eisner. in in the middle of production. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is why they kind of cleaned house. house. Yeah. Um, but just on the note, you guys were saying and about how the, you know, Steve, you're saying it sounds really grim. It's actually, especially as an adult looking at it, it's you can kind of go back and it's a very interesting commentary on, you know, like the things that you remember as a child. Um, when you think of them, you always think of them very fondly and very bright and colorful and happy. But Mm -hmm. when you go back to it years later, it's not what it seems, which is what we've kind of been talking about with these movies. And Return to Oz is kind of the greatest, you know, kind of example of that where it's, yeah, Yeah. because you have this, you know, have this land where like, oh, everything's fun and bright, brightly lit. And, you know, it's Judy Garland and, you know, it's fantastic and fun and light. And then you go back and you go, oh, it's actually really dark and not, particularly pleasant and you know it's one of those it's kind of the the parable of you can't go home again because mm-hmm. she wants nothing more in the very beginning moved in to go back to oz and then she goes back and realizes it's not what she remembers it right mm-hmm. wow that's like mind-blowing although yeah. at the end it does go back <laughs> so well but it goes back but it becomes a really interesting combination of the experiences she's had she had going back versus the experiences she had originally where she's as close to her new friends as she was to her old friends. Mm-hmm. So and I, mean, I want to you... look at it as an analogy for, you know, growing up. Yeah. I wonder you know, if the, friends, a... the friends you had as a child aren't necessarily the friends you're going to have, you know, later in life. Mm-hmm. But they're like, I wonder if there's also, um, because they changed the, the look of all the original four friends. Right. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that's also like an evolution of that type of friendship. Um, well, but again, but, that's one of those, like they did change the look, but they actually changed the look in this movie to mirror closer t- to the original drawing, the illustrations yeah. from the original book. 100%. Which is, again, what people had a lot of issue with because it's like, oh, it's not, you know, it's not Ray Bulger and all that. I'm like, well, no, it's not because they, <laughs> they, they, they weren't available. looking out for Ray Bulger. <laughs> <laughs> they looked um, amazing, though, the, the original four. Like the, the lion was amazing. The lion looked phenomenal. Even then, the Tin Man, I was, I was, I was really a big fan of because he looked like he was literally a man made of tin, not a dude in a tin suit. Mm-hmm. Huh. So yeah, that's wow. uh, that's my addition to this one. Again, it's you know, I I love the movie because again, I I love horror movies, and this was the closest thing to a horror movie <laughs> that really came out during my lifetime. And if you want to get any darker with Disney, you have to go back to before I was born, which you know I'm going to talk about some of those. I'm sure on a later well, episode, well, we, it explains or, a lot, Matt. There are some right? when you were born too, right? Like we could talk <laughs> about Watcher in the Woods, and we will talk Watcher, about Watcher. Watcher in the Woods was slightly before my time, but only slightly. Yeah. Um. So. 
I guess now that we all have our films out there, we should do our little parenting part. Like, how do mm-hmm. we introduce our films to parents, or do we want to? <laughs> and well, which which of these films do we want to show to our kids? I'll uh, I'll lead off with mine. Uh, again, well, why don't I you think... just talk about your you your yeah yeah yeah? You so I'll lead off with... with all the films. Would you yeah. show any of these to a kid? Absolutely. Oh, which every ones? single all of them. Yeah, yeah, all of the above. Absolutely. Uh, for different reasons and at different times. You don't want to be like, okay, kids, let's have a sit-down marathon. You're going to watch all of these movies. And who in wants therapy afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to watch them in the order we talked about them. And then we're going for therapy and chicken wings. It's not going to be a good night. I don't no. know. <laughs> Is there anyone here who wouldn't show any of these films to someone else? I think they, these yeah. are all pretty yeah. classic type films. I need to rewatch that Return to Oz. I, uh, I think it's yeah. maybe a little bit too... Uh, uh, too much <laughs> well it's uh see i guess even like i was hesitant even to suggest mine because i realized that like it's not a straightforward narrative return mm-hmm. to oz's value in my opinion is that it isn't a straightforward story like what matt was saying it, it's it's about revisiting and and having a different perspective right mm-hmm. and and similarly you know like uh, last action hero i mean it's a little more playful it's about fictional characters and and the worlds they live in and what if they knew they were fictional right and this is all like higher level stuff right so i don't know that it really depends on the kid and where they're at you know but like steve for last action hero sorry shows i know you're you're gonna jump in next but last action hero i think the 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 moral of that story was that that kid looked up to his action hero as like the hero that he wants to be right right yeah where Mm -hmm. as he had all these other people in his life that yes should have actually um looked up to instead I think that was what that moral was, at least by the end of that film. Sure, sure, of course. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it's but it's not like a like a, a fun space adventure, you know, is what I'm saying. Like, yeah, there's, yeah. There's, there's there's more yeah. going on there, you know. Just like well, the wizard, yeah. even that has a lot going on there too, you know. But <laughs> you can also probably watch the wizard without being hyper aware of that stuff and still enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, sorry, go ahead, Chavis, go shows, go for it. Well, no, I was just gonna say that I, I feel like these movies would would best fit, you know, different stages of a child's life. A hundred percent. Yeah. You know, like not, not necessarily like, Hey, you know, I've got a, whatever, like I've got a seven year old at home. I don't know if I necessarily show all of them to him. Um, but, but I mean, like there are def- definitely a few that I think that he'd be right. Yeah. You, you should oh, definitely start oh, with yeah. uh, return to Oz. When he turns 37 might be a, a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be too early for that. <laughs> what about you Bowman? Any, any thoughts on these films? Okay. So the way I look at it as is, I'll, I'd like to show my, my kids these movies when I saw them when I was a kid. And the thing mm-hmm. is, my, I, had, I had older brothers and sisters, nine years older, 10 years older, show me these movies when I was a little kid. Like, I, like Return to Oz came out when? 85. 85? I was two years, old. <laughs> two years old. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, I saw that movie when I was five. And I'm not going to lie, I showed my daughter it around that age. And she mm-hmm. loves Return to Oz. She loves it. She likes it, I think, better than Wizard of Oz. Hmm. That warms my black little heart, it does. <laughs> <laughs> no. My daughter, who who loves Disney princesses, but also like loves Dorothy Gale. <laughs> is, is she going to put wheels on the bottom of all her Barbies? Or... <laughs> oh, my would God. Be start, start cackling. <laughs> is it, does she like eggs? Or does she, uh, like, does she not? Because of the whole gnome cake thing. Poison. <laughs> what about you, Hawk? What do you think of these films? Uh, the, all these films, possibly the exclusion of the Return to Oz, and that. Because, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, Shao's kind of nailed it. In that there are different uh, stages of development in a child. In that for the Last Navigator, and that it's a good film to show to preteens. And that you know, because you know, it's about this kid and that who kind of hates where he's at in life. And that he hates his little brother. And that uh, he's in love with this girl, but can't talk to her. And that and all of a sudden has like all these things ripped out of his life. And that uh, and you know the film is kind of like his struggle to kind of return to back to that because you know it's like while it sucks at the time uh he misses it when it's gone yeah Yeah. absolutely yeah i think i think i think i think i think a combination of like when we saw it as kids and you know knowing our kids yeah um like what they can handle yeah i know you also don't want to deal with the nightmares yeah well yeah yeah, right (laughs) sometimes you have to 
<laughs> I, sometimes you have to let the kids go through stuff like that and have the nightmares because it's part of the growing up process too. Mm-hmm. I, I saw RoboCop when I was way too young, and I learned a lot oh of colorful language. Same here. Uh, so Same I'm not here. really sure. I saw. <laughs> when we saw things is necessarily the best yeah, yeah. but to each their yeah, own we, we, we had a great I'd buy that for a dollar because <laughs> yeah uh, I, I i had the older brother too and he all he always introduced me to other films that like i should not have probably watched at the time and i you know the terminator yeah <laughs> yes yeah that's i definitely good. saw nightmare uh nightmare on elm street way too early yeah um, but See, i was yeah. the older brother so i was just an ass yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> For the record, I'm not letting my daughter watch horror movies, <laughs> rated R movies. <laughs> I, I I I had TMN, so whenever things were on, I just watch it and be like, eh, I guess it's okay if I watch this. No one's around. <laughs> See, I I come from the old school where it's you'd get the phone call. Your phone would ring once at twelve o'clock, and that meant that the channels were unscrambled for pay per view, so you could watch whatever movies are on. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Pay per view. Uh, right. Yes. That's what I watched. The scrambled. Uh. <laughs> I, I, will, I will say the unorthodox films that I did watch as a kid kind of prepared me for a lot of the films I ended up loving later on in life. And that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yes. like round, round 92 cinema completely changed for me in that with the Reservoir Dogs and like everything that kind of came yeah. out in the 90s and that. So I think it gave me a much wider, you know, palette as far as the movies I appreciate in that. Yeah. yeah and well, I think this was a good, like, varying amount of different types of films mm-hmm. right? and i don't think we would have had honey i shrunk the kids without return to oz so yeah you know we we can thank yeah, those films for each other um but also let's, let's, can we yeah nope. i was gonna say can we just do a quick tally how many of these movies actually were disney movies uh honey i shrunk for sure yeah. flight of the navigator uh return, return to, to oz. oz not mine not mine. No, not, not space kids. So okay. half of us. Fifty percent. Okay. So fifty percent. Yeah. So um yeah. Interesting. Which I thought was it's it's just interesting. You know, Disney there was a era in time where they actually focused on not just fluffy money. Well, they were trying to animated musicals. Well, yeah. like like I was talking to shows about the other day, I was like, I wanted to do Black Hole, which is another Disney movie that was yeah. another yeah. a little bit darker um mm-hmm. film, but maybe we'll so, do that for another time yeah. we're, we're gonna do a dark disney episode and oh, yeah. you guys will love it and so will the listeners so let's throw this out to the listeners what did you think of our list are these films that you'd show to your kids uh, why don't you send us an email connect to us on facebook on many other social media things that we have um i'd like to thank all of the people here for coming on thanks guys Thank Thanks you. for having us. Thank you. And Bowman, of course, you can come back anytime if you want to be a regular. I am 100% down with that. I love having more voices on here. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank thanks. you, sir. All right, All right guys. So All right. thanks for listening, people. Have an awesome week, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye bye. Well, that's it for us this week on Geeks with Kids. If you want to get a hold of us, you can send us an email at podcast at geekswithkids.ca. And don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash geekswithkids. Follow us on Twitter at geekswithkidscn. Check out our pics on Instagram at geekswithkids. And you can find all of this good stuff on our website at www.geekswithkids.ca. So if you like what you hear, why don't you hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment. This podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, and your favorite podcasting app. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.